Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Bros Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today, it's time for a little look back on our past year of the show. Yeah. Uh, this is another installment of Greatest Hits for 2017. It's funny. Last week, we did a topic of nostalgia, and today, it's kind of related to that. Uh, you know, one thing that we've been talking about on our Discord server, you know, over this past week is that nostalgia isn't necessarily tied to, you know, memories from years long past. Sometimes it can be as recent as like a year ago or even a few months ago. So this is a nostalgic look back on the past year of the podcast and particularly the best music that we've shared for the first time. So all the tracks on today's playlist uh, were first shared sometime in 2017. And uh, some of these are like discoveries that we're really excited about. Some of these are from games that we featured before, but for whatever reason, never got around to those tracks. So what we did is we, we whittled, we went through the entire episode archive of 2017 and tried to pick the best of the best. So yeah, these episodes are so much fun because it really is musically the cream of the crop. Um, and I think right. this continues the tradition. This is a phenomenal playlist, just looking at it here. Well, and I think the other exciting thing is there are some definite standout pieces of music on today's playlist that are from 2017 release titles. Yeah, that's that's cool, too. That's probably more of the case this year than, than it ever has been before. Usually when we have greatest hits playlists, you know, I would say most of them are not from games released that year. Um, and that's still the case uh, today, but yeah, I would say at least. What do you think? Well, maybe like five or six tracks on here are from yeah. actually released in 2017. That's pretty. I mean, cool. I'm sure many of you can guess some of the heavy hitters. Oh yeah, absolutely. So okay, let's get into it because we got so much great music to talk about. Really excited. What you guys just heard playing in was "Silver Lining" from Estados, and that is definitely a Yasuki Yasui composition. Even if we didn't tell you, it's it's pretty obvious, right? That comes to us from our Yasuki Yasui exclusive interview episode where we focused on um, his music and also had a really fun translated interview as well. So that was the first episode where we actually played some Estrado's music, and I hadn't really been familiar with it until kind of researching him even more for that episode, and it's just so good because it really reminds me of a lot of his other great work, something like Super Reflex or even like Mamaru Has Been Cursed. It's just, right. he has such a gift uh, for making just this really expressive, groovy, mysterious FM music. I couldn't agree more. Well, Carl, let's get to it. What's the next track we're playing today? So now we're going to move on to Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds. And this was Mm. one of the first episodes of last year. This is A Kingdom's Legend. And this is definitely a track that, uh, for me, it's a standout on the score. And I think Will feels the same way. It, it, you, would, you, would you say this is maybe your favorite track on Link Between Worlds? It's really tough to say. There's some really just stellar standout music. And it's also sitting alongside with all of Koji Kondo's incredible music for Link to the Past and these wonderful, colorful arrangements. Mm-hmm. In terms of um, original music that Ryo Nagamatsu brought to the table, this might have to be my favorite. There's some really expressive playing here and just very evocative composition with some daring harmonies, I think. Yeah, so this came to us from our uh, January 29th 2017 episode, which was 252 Zelda Handhelds. So that's when we first shared this. All right, let's take a listen to A Kingdom's Legend, composed by Ryo Nagamatsu. Mm-hmm. 
Man, that transition is just genius. You guys are listening to A Kingdom's Legend from Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, composed by Ryo Nagamatsu. It's such an interesting choice for this brass ensemble. Um, I really enjoy just how much diversity there is in this track. You know, it covers so many emotions, um, and I love how it transitions. It starts to add a little bit more dissonance very slowly. Right. Um, but yeah, there, there's something really effective about just this brass small ensemble. There's a lot of space, but there is still a lot of um, kind of epicness that's uh, evoked with these instruments. Like even, you know, if you just have like three or four brass instruments, that's really all you need to you know convey heroism or excitement and right. you know you don't you don't really necessarily need a full orchestra for that right no I, I think it was a great idea just to use those collective timbres i can't quite tell if it's a quartet or a quintet mm-hmm. if it is a quintet it's not the normal arrangement because typical uh brass quintet features two trumpets a uh, french horn trombone and tuba uh, but this possibly sounds like there might be two trombones or even two French horns, because there's definitely not two trumpets. Interesting. Um, so I, that's why I'm thinking it might be a, a, a quartet. Um, but it, it, it's like it almost staggers the mind because you have some really crunchy harmonies, which yeah. it's interesting to think, um, you know, th- this is a, a period in time where we can imagine these lush orchestras with as many parts as we could imagine. Uh, but I like the idea that Ryo Nagamatsu possibly limited himself to just four or five voices. And think of all the daring, edgy harmonies he was able to do with just those select players. I think it's really can we, can we talk a little bit about how this piece transitions from uh, original material to koji kondo material yes i that's one of my favorite things about it and it's kind of a it foreshadows a lot of uh what nagamatsu had to do on this project which was create new things that could sit alongside uh, koji kondo's work for link to the past um in more ways than one a lot of the music in the score is arrangements and a lot of it right. is stuff that's just um you might not even know that it was never there in the first place and what i think he does a fantastic job in is sort of setting the mood that that melody in the kind of moody atmosphere it really sounds like something out of you know Majora's Mask or Ocarina of Time it uses that very kind of plainy fourth and fifth based harmony with this half step kind of root motion Um, that's a thing that happens in i think a lot of japanese video game music but especially it's something that we tend to notice whenever koji kondo is trying to evoke something threatening or scary or villainous Mm -hmm. and so i think uh nagamatsu really nails that kind of zelda chord language and uh the modulation is i think really just the writing and the way he gets into the sort of ganon's theme it's so brilliant um, is very effective but it's also it's like we've been prepared with musical material that almost feels like a distorted twin of that it's some sort of echo of that theme or at least that language yeah ryo nagamatsu i don't know i i just feel like his work on link between worlds is very unsung it, it's just yeah. so incredibly impressive yeah i i really want him to come back to this series i was kind of sad that you know he would have been such a great addition to breath of the wild team for Um, sure so yeah so let's hope that he comes back to the series all right let's move on we're going to now move on to a track that was from our shantae episode way back in february of this past year we're going to play a track from shantae half genie hero which is the most recent entry in this series this whole series was composed by jake kaufman uh, it's developed by WayForward, uh, so he worked for that company for a number of years. Uh, fairly recently, he 
actually left to, to just be a freelancer. So I think he's still going to be working on some of their, their games, but he, now he's free to work on a lot more projects from different companies. So this is definitely a highlight of the year for me. This is Counterfeit Mermaids. And this is a score that once it came out and I, and I bought it on his band camp, it was in heavy rotation for months. Uh, gosh, it's just really, really good. This track perfectly kind of encapsulates his unique style. It's, it's very dancey and funky, but it has a really catchy melody. Let's take a listen to Counterfeit Mermaids. You guys are listening to Counterfeit Mermaids from Shantae, Half Genie Hero, composed by the one and only Jake Kaufman. It would not be a Greatest Hits episode without some <laughs> entries from Jake Kaufman. We actually have three, I believe, three Jake Kaufman tracks, mm. um, all you know, first shared this past year on the podcast. Um, yeah, he has such a wonderful combination of different influences in his music. There's just a heavy uh, and like consistent jazz fusion influence that you hear. Um, just like the extensions and the jazz changes throughout this whole song. It goes beyond what you would expect for typical EDM or typical dance or house music. Um, but it, it's definitely a lot more fun and accessible than most jazz fusion music. So that's really why I think his music, um, in my opinion, is very universal and engaging. I can't imagine anyone not enjoying it because it's like easier to digest than jazz fusion, but it's more interesting than like typical modern EDM. I think if you had to describe it without acknowledging the influence of video game music, I think I would say it's like J-pop meets jazz fusion. Sure. You That's know, a great way to really describe it. really catchy and dancey and fun and kind of bubblegummy, but it uses all these really rich kind of crunchy jazz chords and these intricate rhythms and uh, a really um, kind, of, kind of balls to the wall loud sense of production i mean mm-hmm. everything with jake kaufman is turned up to 11 it absolutely uh, is and it's everything good so <laughs> yeah, yeah man that's a great track it's something it's so that good. i think i was struck with um the first time i heard it is that kind of chromatic idea in the beginning bah, 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 bah. it yeah. actually kind of reminds me of a little bit of uh some of the manami matsumai tracks in shovel knight which i think yeah. is interesting because that's a project that they worked on together i almost wonder if uh that may have been some sort of influence because i know that jake was such a huge fan of her compositions and I'm sure it was i think i remember talking about that on the shante episode as well but yeah no i definitely heard that you know that chromatic 
um, intro. It definitely reminds me of some of her compositions for Shovel Knight, for sure. Um, so yeah, we will come back to Jay Kaufman uh, a couple more times today. So cool. Let's now move on to uh, an old game. So this is not a 2017 release. This is Albert Odyssey Gaiden uh, for the Sega Saturn. And the first time we played a track from this was, I think, in our Show and Tell 2 episode. So, you know, over five years ago, a long time ago. So, yeah, we've played tracks here and there from the score. But the first time we played this particular piece of music, it's called Solitude, was last year. And I believe it was in our uh, Naoki Kadaka episode, if I'm not mistaken. I'll double check. Uh, Yeah, so this is composed by Naoki Kadaka, and it's really exciting because... He scored two Albert Odyssey games for the Super Famicom, which were really excellent. But then when this game came out for the Sega Saturn, finally it saw him being able to compose for some real players. So there's some real woodwind performance, I think, on top of some sequenced orchestral sounds. Very beautiful piece of music. Let's take a listen to Solitude. Beautiful. You guys are listening to Solitude from Albert Odyssey Gaiden, and this actually comes from our Albert Odyssey episode, uh, which was very early on in the year. I think it was also in February. This is composed by Naoki Kodaka. What a really revolutionary score this was, because this right. is in 1996, and this is such an effective way of combining real performance with sequenced elements you know in 1996 the technology for 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 having sequenced orchestral elements as you can hear very limited uh this just does not sound convincing but when you add that solo woodwind on top of it it took me a while to to really realize that this wasn't just a real fully real performance it's just it's really effective it's just great that you know people like kodako were kind of dabbling in that uh that deft ability to combine real with with sequence even back as far as 1996 i think a big part of it has to do with just how solid the writing is right um the string writing and all of the um voices sound very idiomatic to you know a real string orchestra Mm -hmm. and the uh, expressivity of the playing with in the case of both the oboe and flute it, it really kind of takes the focus and it's such a gorgeous melody it's so beautifully written that yeah it it really takes my my breath away and i actually find it so charming that it's using uh these kind of more primitive virtual instrument sounds. yeah i do too especially for that uh sort of secondary section where you get yeah, that's those when kind it gets general midi string octaves honestly the first time i heard this that was the first moment that i realized it wasn't 
just a, a real track. It's like, whoa, what's happening here? This is this is like general MIDI. But yeah, yeah your mind sort of plays tricks on you, I think, a little bit. Yeah. When you hear that real performance, maybe your brain isn't as uh, adept at noticing the aspects of it that are kind of fake. I also think mm-hmm. the reverb on those kind of more primitive synthy strings kind of helps to tie everything together they're all they all sound like they're existing in the same room i imagine you know the oboe and flute were recorded in sort of a dry space well this would have been a great contender for a human touch either panel or episode because it goes to show that all you need is really one real element on top of sequenced elements and man it totally works it you know even you know we've been composing and listening to this kind of music for years and even for me like i I didn't even notice it. You know, it took me a while to even notice that. And this is in 1996. So yeah, this, this really is a great method of, if you have a limited budget, if you know, all you're able to do is record a couple soloists, you right. can still, you can get a lot of mileage. Out I of also that. think there's something about the, the voice that people listen to, you know, yeah. melody is like at the top of the hierarchy in terms of what we're listening to in a piece of music like mm-hmm. this. I think if you recorded, you know, a 50 piece, you know, string orchestra, and then had like a general MIDI oboe. That would be that worse. That would sound so much worse than, you know, just hiring that one soloist. All right. Let's move on to, uh, you know, that was a combination of real and, and fake orchestral music. This is all real here. This comes to us from a 2017 release, Gravity Rush 2, composed by Kohei Tanaka. We did have a Gravity Rush 2 episode, and I believe the game was released uh, very early on in 2017. And we were so excited for this follow-up. And Kohei Tanaka definitely went in some different directions with this score. Overall, I think there's a little bit more of like a world music influence to it. But there are definitely a few times when it feels like he's kind of getting back into the sound he established in the first Gravity Rush. This is the title theme, and I, for me, this is, I think, the strongest track in the game i think it was our track of the week on that episode so we're including that uh today this is called gravity days 2 it's the title theme of gravity days or gravity rush 2 composed by kohei tanaka let's take a listen I love this track so much. You guys listening to the title theme of Gravity Rush 2 composed by Kohei Tanaka. This would only come from a Japanese composer. Right. You know, it's just this almost ADD level of different influences of this fusion of so many different eras of orchestral music. I particularly love that waltz section. Um, but 
think about all the things we get in one track. We get kind of like swanky secret agent style music with like uh, drums combined with orchestra. And we get that really more delicate romantic waltz. Uh, the, the solo trumpet, there's like some mariachi uh, vibes at, at times in this track. It's really all over the place, but every single element and every single like choice uh, is, is so entertaining really to me. Totally, yeah, and then that final section. I mean, that sounds like a Jerry Goldsmith score to like a sports movie or something, you know? Like, there are so many influences and so many styles, but yeah, I, I have such a soft spot for that kind of waltz section. That it's my favorite. Really, in the harmony, it sounds like it could accompany, you know, an old romantic movie from the 30s or 40s. It's so good. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's really crazy to think that this is a, a piece of music that was officially released in 2017, um, especially because it, it harkens to so many different eras, you know, many that are hundreds of years, you know, long gone. So yeah, what a gift that we have people like Tanaka um, that are that are still active in anime and video games. Um, he really just has such an imagination. If there's one word I could use to describe Kohei Tanaka as a composer, I think I would just say imaginative. Yeah. I mean, his, his music is so creative and um, you, you can tell he, he's really enjoying what it is that he's doing. He mm-hmm. uses the orchestra in a way that sounds familiar to us, but also completely distinct. And it's perfect for video games because it's borrowing all this eclectic influence from all these different genres and yeah. putting it together in a package that's accessible and poppy and Well, we're lucky fun. because today we actually are going to be going back to another Kohei Tanaka composition. So that's cool. So let's look forward to that. All right. Let's now move on to a track from Atelier. Atelier Firis, which I think was the most recent entry in the Atelier series. We had this episode that was really exciting, and uh, one of our supportive listeners, Zach, was responsible for kind of introducing us to this series and the Gust Sound Team and all these wonderful pieces of music. So this was the track of the week on that episode. Um, It's so incredible. This is, for me, uh, one of my absolute favorite things that we played on this past year of the podcast. This is called Pororoka. And similar to that Gravity Rush 2 track, it it almost has ADD. It's all over the place. There's so many different... Um, sections and things going on, uh, some really beautiful me- moments of like emotional uh, melodies that almost make you want to uh, cry. And there's also just a lot of rocking high energy, great combination of different instrument sounds. Yeah, this this is a really piece of music that has it all. This is Pororoka from Atelier Furies, composed by Tatsuya Yano. <laughs>
Oh my god. <laughs> it is rare to find a track that is firing on so many cylinders, so many different cylinders at once. This is Pororoka from Atelier Furies, composed by Tatsuya Yano, who I think was kind of a newcomer to the series. I think this was maybe the first game in the series that he worked on. And his contributions to this, I was just blown away. Um, it kind of has some of the elements, some of the staples that we heard in the series, you know, heavy use of the flute and some, you know, ethnic world music elements, but combining it with rock, like, I don't know, it starts off with acoustic guitar, which is really cool, but then it switches to flute with distorted electric guitar underneath, and that change is just like, it was not expected, um, it gets like almost as rocking as you can take and then all of a sudden the the harmonized violin melody comes in and it's almost like it keeps going farther than it really needs to but you don't you almost don't want this track to ever end yeah completely and you get so much bang for your buck it it takes you on kind of a journey uh the the other thing i love about the atelier series is their i don't know instrumental palette feels very kind of like sporty i i, yeah. I can't explain it but it it all sounds like music that should accompany a sports game. Just the, the <laughs> mix of kind of like acoustic guitar and piano. Like I always mention that it reminds me of like Wii sports, but then obviously in mm-hmm. like a more rocking track, like this, you know, this doesn't sound like, <laughs> you know, it's not kind of loungy like that, but it's very active in, in kind of cute, you know, I, I don't know. There's something so charming about it. It's, it's not threatening. It's exciting, energetic music, but it's not, you know, it's not using like a bunch of distorted electric guitars and trying to have kind of an overblown sound. It's like achieving that sound with, um, with a bit more charm and a bit more sweetness. Well, it's it's just more it's more interesting too because like compositionally, it's every bit as rocking um, as a lot of video game music. But the fact that the flute is playing the melody over the distorted guitar is so much more interesting. So there's this kind of through line in this whole series of these folk instruments um, that at times are very sweet and sensitive. But even in a track like this, it's not going full on rock. Like the, it always has one foot kind of in the folk world, and I just find that really really interesting and engaging. So uh, thanks again, Zach, for showing us, uh, you know, for introducing us to this series. All right, let's move on to a track. I think this was track of the week in our last year when we we have to do another one of these episodes because we try to do these once a year. Uh, Last year, we had another uh, modern chiptunes episode, and this was the track of the week on that. It's from Sound Shock 3, which was the third um, FM synth compilation album that featured tracks from really talented um, FM synth uh, chip tuners. And this is by uh, a chip tuner by the name of Ten Four. That's T-E-N-F-O-U-R, one word. And this is Cave Bouncer. It's incredibly fun and funky and just kind of takes the FM synth sound in, in places that we never we never really got to hear back on the Genesis. So really cool track. Let's take a listen to Cave Bouncer.
so good. You guys listening to Cave Bouncer. This is from Sound Shock 3, FM Funk Nirvana, which is the third compilation um, in the Sound Shock series. I think the last uh, last last one. And this is by 10-4. And yeah, this if you're interested in this kind of music, if you enjoy this kind of music, you should check all these out because it's pretty much nothing but this like FM synth funk fusion sound. There's some new Jack Swing tracks. Um, you know, Vert actually has some really great contributions um, in these compilations. But yeah, this... Oh my gosh, this is so up my alley. I just can't get enough of this sound. And it's it's kind of this nostalgic sound, not just using this that FM sound chip, but going for uh, kinds of music that it's just rare that we get to hear it. You know, this day and age, you know, kind of reminds me of a lot of late 80s, early 90s uh, pop music, you know, things right. like Michael Jackson and stuff. So, yeah, this is just the best. Yeah, these chords are so cool. And, I mean, it, the groove is awesome. It definitely sounds very Carl to me. <laughs> I mean, the, the mixture yeah. of the FM sounds, the chords, the kind of Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it. Some it, of the interlocking lines and stuff. It does remind me of this track, Telemart, that I have on uh, my recent Micropower album. Uh, it's definitely a similar palette, I think. I wasn't intending that, but now listening to this, yeah, it's, it's reminiscent, I think, in some ways, of my music. Man, that's so cool. There are so many talented people out there, uh, you know, people that are unsung and people that yeah. aren't necessarily, you know, household names or anything. Which is one of the reasons why it's important that we do those Chiptunes episodes, in addition to checking in with that community, because a lot of those people, I know in previous Chiptunes episodes, uh, there would be different people that would, like, hear about the episode and, like, reach out to us on Twitter. Like, some of these Chiptuners would be like, oh, thank you so much for playing this, you know, playing my music. And so, yeah, these are people that we want to try to get the word out for and support as well. Uh, cool. All right, let's move on to the second Jake Kaufman track of the day. This is from Shovel Knight Spectre of Torment, which uh, the soundtrack was released in 2017. We first had this episode in 2017, um, and oh my gosh, it's so good. This score has some of the musical highlights of of all the Shovel Knight music so far, in my opinion, um, because it's taking, for the most part, melodies and themes that were introduced in the first Shovel Knight game, but it's basically cranking them up to 11, as if that was possible. You know, we thought that Shovel Knight couldn't get any more intense and exciting, but he's taking these melodies and basically doing like, uh, basically doing like act two versions of it like imagine like if you're in a sonic game and you get to the act two and things are even more intense or like you know uh one of the things he did in the first shovel knight is that he took his themes that was established uh for a level and then for the boss versions he would really rock them out so that's kind of the the vibe that that he's going for in this whole score this is hidden by night which originally was Leak Yard in Shovel Knight. And he's taking those melodies and, and really going into some interesting places with this. This track rocks. Let's take a listen to Hidden by Night.
guys are listening to Hidden by Night, which is based on the theme he established in uh, Lich Yard or Leak Yard from Shovel Knight, which was the, the graveyard stage. This is composed by Jay Kaufman from Spectre of Torment. Uh, yeah, for me, this, this is the highlight of the album uh, because that original track was, was one of my favorites of Shovel Knight. And I got to say that I actually find myself listening to this more than that original track because it's just... It takes those themes uh, that are so so good and so effective, but it's just kind of recontextualizing it. Um, I will say though that it really does help when you are already familiar with that original theme, and so I'm not sure how much uh, how much this is going to affect someone if they haven't heard that theme. I mean, I'm sure they're still going to think it's it's a great piece of music, but for me, there's this added level of enjoyment that you recognize those themes and how he's manipulating them. Yeah, absolutely, and I think this is a fantastic track, and it really shows off everything that Jake is able to do, you know, with his tracking abilities. I mean, he's kind of like a wizard here, Um, and I mean, it's yeah, it's such great source material, Uh, but the other thing that we have to remember, and my favorite side of the Spectre of Torment music is the really authentic kind of classical Baroque writing that happens all over the place. Uh, particularly in some of like the narrative cutscenes, I mean, I, my jaw just dropped at some of that music. It was beautiful and impeccably written, and kind of, I don't know, it, it goes beyond just what you would want to call a pastiche. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, it also is being done on, you know, this 8-bit NES sound with the VRC6 chip. But yeah. just in terms of the composition, uh, this little DLC. Uh, shows some incredible um, range, I think, by Jake Kaufman. Absolutely. Oh, gosh, I love these Greatest Hits episodes. They're just so fun. I mean, these playlists, you just can't beat them. You know, it's almost like we've been, you know, kind of slowly building up to this playlist, you know, for an entire year. And gosh, it's just such a treat to hear this incredible music. Uh, Fairly diverse, too. Think of all the different genres and types of sounds that we've heard so far today. And we're going to keep that going. Uh, move to something very different. This comes to us from a listener show and tell episode that we had last year, and we will have another one of those this coming spring. So we always try to do that every year as well. This is from Project Octopath Traveler, which is a very hotly anticipated Nintendo Switch game that will be out sometime this year. There's not any other details. I think it's all it says is it's coming out in 2018. Um, and we do now have composer information. Uh, people originally thought that this might have been the composer uh, Revo, but it's actually confirmed that the composer of this game is going to be uh, Yasunori Nishiki. And this is the main theme. Um, this was first, I think, released uh, in a trailer last year. And so I'm not sure what the context of this will be in the final game, if it will still be the main theme or, or what. But in any case, uh, it was the main theme of that trailer that was released last year. This is from Project Octopath Traveler. Let's take a listen.
yet another wonderful piece of music that combines so many different folk elements together. Uh, you know, it feels like right now, like maybe we're like square dancing or something, but uh, yeah, this is such a beautiful piece of music. It's the main theme from Project Octopath Traveler, composed by Yasunori Nishiki. And our listener, Matthew D., is responsible for first uh, sharing this with us and suggesting it for listener show and tell. So thanks, Matthew, for showing us this wonderful piece of music. Gorgeous melodies, beautiful orchestration, very video gamey Dorian modal harmony. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, this is a, a, just a delightful, a delightful piece of music goes farther than most video game tracks do you know like yes it has some of those gaelic um elements but it it really feels like it's taking all of those things seriously even the from the very beginning of this piece of music um everything is so expressive and intentional and there's so much emotion and care put into this um at least if this is any indication the stuff that i'm hearing from octopath traveler I think is going to blow Bravely Default out of the water as far as the soundtrack. I know that was very beloved, and I think it was a good soundtrack, but the stuff that I'm hearing from Octopath is just phenomenal, so I can cannot wait for this game to come out and for, for the whole soundtrack to be released. So, all right, let's move on uh, to something very, very beautiful as well. Uh, this comes to us from Nier, and I think last year was the first time that we actually had that Nier Spotlight episode. And so this is not a game that was released in 2017. Uh, this also does remind us that we do have to have a follow-up episode on the sequel to Nier. We should try to do that uh, this season for sure. But anyway, this is from the first game. This is Ashes of Dreams New. And uh, I think this was composed by the lead composer Kaichi Okabe. Let's take a listen to Ashes of Dreams New. gorgeous song you guys are listening to ashes of dreams new features beautiful vocals by emmy evans and composed by i think kaiichi okabe here also it could have been uh worked on by kakero ishihama or kaigo hoashi as well uh yeah this is from the first near game and yeah i can't wait to focus on the soundtrack to the sequel 
Uh, yeah, well, what an amazing uh, palette that was landed on for this near game. You know, we've talked a lot about the interesting lyrical choices uh, that were made, but also just the, the music itself. Oh my gosh, yeah, this is this is such a special soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. Really beautiful. I, I love how the track sort of expands, and this is probably something that we talked about on that episode, um, but it, it starts off, it's just very intimate, just the feeling of, you know, piano and voice, yeah. something that is timeless, really. Um, and then uh, it's kind of, you don't anticipate it to open up with this lush, you know, string section here. And yeah. Also just that section. Yeah, da, 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 yeah, How about yeah, that da, melody? Da, da, da. That is a knockout melody, man. It is great. Well, does it remind you of any other like show tunes or like other pre-existing songs? I feel like the melody is reminiscent of something. Well, that kind of sequence um, and sort of using the th- circle of fifths in that way in sort of a descending fashion is something that sounds, you know, like a lot of classical music, like mm-hmm. Pachelbel's Canon, and it sounds like a lot of show tunes. It's a little bit like Autumn Leaves. Yeah. Um, it, there, it, it's kind of a very um, tried and true, That's true paintbrush, I guess. All right. Well, we're going to really change things up. It's so funny to go from the track we just heard to Mario and Sonic at the Rio 2016 Olympic Games. Uh, Last year on the podcast was that wonderful Mario and Sonic episode we had where we played some phenomenal music. I think our overall takeaway was that the music of that series does not deserve to be as good as it is. And it's so weird because a lot of talented um, Sega Sound Team people worked on that series and did better work than they have been doing for the Sonic games like in forever. So I don't understand why those games have such good music. This is an original piece of music from the Rio game, which is, I think, the most recent game in the series. And I'm really excited to see the next Mario and Sonic game because it's probably going to have phenomenal music as well. This is called Bara. And this is so much fun. Let's take a listen. incredible you guys are listening to Bara from mario and sonic uh rio 2016 olympic games now i i just don't understand like i guess why this is this good and why a lot of the sonic games are just not uh because a lot of the same people are working on this you know this features compositions from kenichi takoi as well as tomoya otani 
Uh, yeah, so a lot of the same, for like, take for example, the recent Sonic Forces soundtrack, like a lot of the exact same composers that worked on that worked on this. Why was this so incredible and had so much wonderful production? Like the sound of this track is just absolutely top tier. It's just glistening. Every single instrument is recorded so well. Wonderful melodies. Um, this track is five minutes long, and there's just so many different sections. Yeah, Will, do you have any idea on why so much care was was taken for this series? Honestly, I get the sense that the pressure was maybe off a little bit for this game, and they were just really letting loose and having fun. And maybe they put their budget more into the music and some of the aesthetic elements hmm. of the game and less you know, under the hood. And it's possible they spent a lot of their budget on Sonic Forces trying to design something new or give kind of a new look for the characters. It's really mind-boggling. Right, you know, yeah. I, I making can't... a game is a really complicated process. And, you know, I, I think sometimes people forget with video game music that it's not just made in a vacuum just to make music, you know. It's, it's yeah. It's the result of the entire process of making a game and depending on I the will budget say, I, and the influence. I can't think of another sound team that's as inconsistent as this sound team. I mean, I just, I can't believe these same people were responsible for Sonic Lost World and this and then also Sonic Forces. It's like, how are those the same people? It's just mind boggling to me. But anyway, let's let's move on from that before we <laughs> get in too much trouble from some Sonic fanboys here. Okay, so this is really exciting. This was first uh, shared on our Data East episode, and uh, our friend Carlos was responsible for helping us out on that playlist. He, he kind of did some research for us and tried to find some diamonds in the rough. And this was, I think, the one he was the most excited to find. Very, very obscure, but we just adore this track. It's kind of become a classic really for us this comes to us from tante jinjuji uh saburo toki no sugiyuku mama ni i felt like that was never gonna end i'm sorry uh this is track one it's a famicom game composed by gameadelic this is the jam here we go mind-boggling piece of music because I don't understand why it's so good. <laughs> it's for a game that nobody, nobody's heard of this. Uh, yeah, this is composed by Game Adelic, uh, who I think was a Data East sound team. Track one from this very obscure Famicom game, and it's just the best. I mean, it just has this wonderful, like, R&B pop, kind of like the end of the night, um, I don't know, just like end of the summer nostalgic sound. It's just... It's so groovy. The drum and bass, the way that they interlocked is is just incredibly authentic and the melodies totally. are beautiful. Great harmonies. 
Yeah, this is one that we really want to get into circulation of tracks that we perform in the Mercado live band. Yeah. Uh, but it's just so groovy, and I love the melody. I, I love every single thing about this track. It's um, kind of an enigma. The only thing, and, and it's like, I'd be curious to hear your opinion and maybe some of our listeners' opinions, is like, the one thing about like playing these tracks that are basically unknown is it's like, does that make it less enjoyable for the audience, the fact that no one's going to know this track, or does it not matter? I don't know, though. I mean, when I think about a lot of video game cover bands, it's like they'll play things from games that are well-known, but music that I think is like nothing special. I would much rather hear something that's a great piece of music from Mm. a game I've never heard of than... I don't know, play something from a game that maybe people remember, but the music sure. is like boring or nothing special. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm definitely down for it. Uh, I think the ideal is to try to find something that's fairly well known and also amazing, which I think are maybe the peaks of, of what we've chosen so far. But yeah, no, there, this, this at some point would be, would be a really fun one to do. It's just a great track. And, and one reason I like playing obscure stuff is because I feel like this deserves to be heard more, you know, more people should be able to listen to this wonderful piece of music. So yeah, that's so good. So thanks Carlos for helping us out with that episode. And yeah, next week uh, is going to finally be his favorites with friends episode. Uh, the long awaited, <laughs> appearance of Carlos on the podcast. So, okay, let's move on to another Jay Kaufman composition. This is from Cat Girl Without Salad. And this was, I think, from a show and tell. This was the track of the week on on show and tell. It's Kawaii Galaxy. And uh, I absolutely adore this piece of music. For me, this might be my favorite thing that was played on this past year of the podcast. It's it, There's so many different things that go on in this track. There's elements of it where he's definitely um, trying to send up Kirby. Um, there's moments where he's just kind of being himself. Uh, it's incredibly catchy. It's incredibly adorable and funky. There's so much to love here. Let's take a listen to Kawaii Galaxy. this so much this is kawaii galaxy from cat girl without salad and this was originally an april fool's joke and eventually they actually made the game uh into a real thing and you can tell there's so much sense of humor in this music here and 
This is an example of Jake Kaufman just really quickly and effortlessly, uh, you know, writing music. And his music that he writes so quickly and at times so easily is music that I would just want to pour over. <laughs> I, just, I just can't understand exactly how his brain works because, I don't know, for me, that this would take so long to try to craft all these, you know, individual things together. But I just get the sense that he just kind of goes with his instincts and just does it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's just amazing. What I feel like he's capturing here is sort of the, like, fun, playful side of classical music in that just the way that it modulates and everything. That's the side of, like, Kirby music that I think is almost hard to describe. It's that thing where it's like... It feels old-fashioned, but also like it's it's not taking itself seriously in any way. Yeah, that's absolutely um, right. Oh, oh my god, god it's, so it's so lovely. Yeah, I really recommend you guys checking out Cat Girl Without Salad, the soundtrack. I think it's so underrated. I mean, I know it's started off as kind of a joke, but Jake's music, I don't know. I, I, I think it's phenomenal, so I'm really excited that that found a place on this episode. All right, it's really exciting. We're going to move on to this week's Track of the Week. Which means it is the track of the year for 2017 on the Super Mercado Brothers podcast. Wow. That's quite the title. This comes to us from composer Noriyasu Agamatsu. And you know what's crazy is we're coming back to the same composer two tracks from now. So that's impressive. I can't believe that we <laughs> we stumbled. I don't know how. I don't even remember how I stumbled upon this. I think I was on some forum or somewhere or on some YouTube channel and I heard this and I was like, whoa, 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 what is this? It's from Final Fantasy Brave Exvius, which came out in 2016. We discovered it this past year on the podcast, had an episode on on it because it's just so amazing. It's orchestral Final Fantasy music. Um, there's also synth and rock elements thrown in. Uh, in my opinion, it's so much more creative and engaging than Final Fantasy has been for a long time. Um, and it's this weird spin-off game that not a lot of people have heard of or played. So yeah, this, this is just an incredible piece of music. Let's take a listen to Duel with two exclamation points from Final Fantasy Brave Exvius. Yeah, video game music is okay, but I don't know. I think it's kind of just something for kids. <laughs> this, is, this is Final Fantasy Brave XVS Duel. This is a phenomenal piece of music. Uh, I don't even know where to start. I'm just going to hand it over to Will because I just don't even know what to say about this. It's just 
it's phenomenal it's kind of perfect like I, I don't know in every way it's so high energy I love the orchestral sound. I love, love, love the melody. I mean, when I was looking through the playlist today, Carl and I hadn't decided a track of the week. We were thinking of something maybe a little bit more obvious. But then when I'm like, oh, wait, this this one we played this year? I mean, like, I remember when you shared this. It was on that yeah, show. Yeah, that was January that of 17. We did so with I Marty. barely made it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, it was like, it was one of those things where the first time I heard it, I'm like, wait, this is classic. I've heard yeah. this before. But. It's just that good. It's very rare to find a melody that hits you immediately that way. This is also something that kind of reminds me of Kirby music. Um, but yeah, everything about it. Bum, 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 ah, bum, there's kind bum, of a folk bum, quality bum, to it's it. Kind of yeah, like, bum, that's true. Bum, 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 Obviously, a totally bum, different bum, presentation. Bum, bum, but oh my gosh, yeah, that's just, just right. a timeless melody. That melody would would be effective in you know the 1800s, the early 20th century. It's still effective now. Uh, it's just timeless. It's so heroic too. I, I could also imagine it as like a slow lyrical thing. Yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada, That's so good, man. You know? Oh gosh, yeah. Noriyasu Agamasu. Really excited to see what he does next. Um, what a talented, underrated composer. All right, now this is hilarious. You know, I I wanted to not include this because I'm I was embarrassed. I wanted to kind of sweep it under the rug, but uh, we 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 have to be honest here. For the first time on the podcast this year, we played Chemical Plant Zone <laughs> from Sonic 2. Uh, and, and yeah, if that is a contender, which technically it is because it was the first time we played it, uh, th- this has to be on the episode, right? Masato Nakamura here. Uh, I don't know what we were thinking. It was one of those things where we did a Sonic episode and then I think we did a part two. And in our part two, we like remembered playing Chemical Plant in our part one, even though we didn't. And then for whatever reason, we just... We never played it again. <laughs> so let's finally take a listen to Chemical Plant Zone from Sonic 2. such a singular very special piece of music it's chemical plant zone from sonic 2 composed by masato nakamura it's really unlike anything else he composed for the first two games but it does still sound like a classic masato track and and definitely a classic sonic track it's incredibly catchy and funky and high energy um i think it's really important because this level uh when people think about Sonic, I think they think about this level almost more than anything. It's really fast-paced, kind of futuristic, exciting. It has that factory setting, which is just classic for Sonic. And this track, I think, is one of the most uh, exciting high-energy tracks that um, Nakamura composed. One thing that I was noticing listening to it today is, I think I knew this, but this track has two basses. There's two different bass lines. 
there's there's the main bass line which is down the center which is much more simpler uh, and kind of octave bass and then there's this funky bass line that's panned hard right uh that's pretty crazy i mean i don't know i don't think that's really been talked about enough yeah it's funny sometimes the things that we that are like the most classic to us that we imagine, you know, just go without saying, you know, like this is just a great piece of music. You don't need to talk about right. chemical plant zone. Everything that needs to be said would have been said, but that's exactly the same logic with why we never played it in the first place. <laughs> there are some things that are so classic that you actually yeah. overlook them. Um, and I think that I find that a lot with um, great old video game music where all of a sudden I'll realize something really interesting and kind of experimental about a track and i'm like oh my gosh i never even yeah. realized it because it's just so good that it just seems natural and effortless well also you know i never really noticed that second bass line because when you're playing it on the tv you don't have the stereo panning so you kind of just hear one full sound i was listening to this on headphones it's a really clear to, you can isolate that that second bass line and it doesn't somehow it does not feel jumbled it doesn't get in the way Man, that's that's really cool. All right, so we're, like we said, we're returning to Agamatsu here, and he composed music for Wild Arms Five. We had our Wild Arms episode this past year, um, and it has some great music. But Wild Arms Five felt like this wonderful turning point where the musical direction was was changed a lot, and it used some of the staples of the series, such as the whistling uh, for the melody, which we're going to hear in this. This one features a real person whistling as well, but it just feels like uh, the stakes were raised emotionally here. Let's take a listen to The Fifth Vanguard from Wild Arms 5. Incredible. <laughs> you guys are listening to the Fifth Vanguard, composed by Noriyasu Agamatsu from Wild Arms 5. This guy is just so talented. Uh, where has he been hiding all my life? You know, we really played some incredible music this past year on the podcast. We haven't even gotten to, you know, two of the, the real heavy hitters yet. I'm looking at the, the tracks remaining. We have a few more tracks remaining, and every single one of them is so good. Um... Yeah, I mean, this This is definitely one indication of, you know, the fact that we're still hopefully pulling our weight on this podcast. Look at this playlist. You know, a lot of these things we had to just kind of discover on our own. Some of them come from show and tell. Some of them come from looking into composers or series. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really proud when I look back at this playlist. Uh, a lot of this music was not the obvious choice. Some of it very obscure. So it's one of my favorite things about the podcast is kind of unveiling some some hidden gems here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love these Greatest Hits episodes because it always is kind of like, oh, wow, we did this this year? Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, we discovered this. It's like, 
it's the same feeling every yeah. time we do it. And I'm always worried like, oh, maybe we're we're getting stale or maybe, you know, we're running out of good music. But I just, uh, I think sort of the beautiful thing about this medium and the beautiful thing about music in general is there will always be more to discover. There's always going to be more. It's a never yeah. ending journey. You're constantly finding more and more. You'll never run out. It's crazy. Um, I mean, there's that great, there there's that famous quote. I don't want to, I don't want to misrepresent it, but I, I thought it was attributed to Rachmaninoff, which is that, um, uh, music is enough for a lifetime, but a lifetime isn't enough for music. Yeah. That's so true for sure. Okay. Well, let's move on. Cause we, uh, you know, we don't want to run out of time here. We got a few more to talk about. This comes to us again from Kohei Tanaka and we featured a Kohei Tanaka spotlight episode. And this was, I think track of the week because we were so impressed that early on in his video game career, this is for the turbo graphics. Uh, he was still had just as much, um, you know, melodic clarity and just as much command over music as he does, you know, with something like gravity rush. So this is a track that at its core, if you look at the music of it, it, it wants to be orchestral. It's very heroic and exciting, but you happen to listen to this on the turbo graphics sound chip. It's from Kuzo Kagaku Sekai Gulliver boy. And this is Gulliver's theme. <laughs> Nobody was writing music like this on the Turbo Graphics. This is so clear that this is the same composer that wrote Gravity Rush. Uh, you can hear, you know, just his his precision and uh, you know his ability to just move so freely between different lines and, and different emotions. This is incredible. You guys are listening to Gulliver's theme for the Turbo Graphics by Kohei Tanaka. There's, I mean, nobody was writing music like this really at all in this era. I mean, I guess maybe to to a lesser extent, Sugiyama, you know, explored this this type of music but it felt like his his video game music in some ways he was trying to maybe condense a little bit more uh what he would have approached on you know something like film or anime but but here this is a really faithful like interpretation of a a theme that tanaka may have composed for a full orchestra well i think the interesting thing about kohei tanaka as a composer is he does kind of fall somewhere in between like a more conventional video game composer and a more conventional film and television composer. So his stuff works That's so true. perfectly in either form. You know, it's it sounds great with a full orchestra, but it's mm-hmm. quirky and different. And it sounds great with video game hardware, but it sounds more like advanced and not your everyday kind of, you know, chip sounding thing. 
um, again, it's his imagination. He, he doesn't seem bounded by the conventions of yeah. whatever he's doing. You know, he really made that turbo graphics sound like a full colorful orchestra and have so much personality and he makes an orchestra sound like a carnival. I mean, it's, it's just kind of amazing. Yeah. That's definitely one of the best turbo graphics pieces I've, I think I've ever heard for sure. So, okay, guys, Time has come. Finally, we have to talk about some of the amazing spotlight episodes that we had recently uh, based on 2017 soundtracks. It was a pretty wild kind of back to back, you know, series of like three to four weeks. This is Super Mario Odyssey, which holds uh, my personal favorite uh, musical moments of 2017. I think it's my favorite soundtrack of the year. And it definitely contains my favorite musical moment. For me, Steam Gardens would have, I wish I could have done that maybe today instead of this. But this was our track of the week. And you do kind of have to do this. In some ways, it feels like it is the most exciting track on Super Mario Odyssey. I think it was one of the first things that we all heard. And now it's crazy that we have to officially say that this is not a Koji Kondo composition. This is a Nyoto Kubo composition. We have that information from the recently released iTunes uh, sound selection album. This is New Donk City Daytime. Kind of feels like this was maybe like the proof of concept of the tone that was that was established uh, in Mario Odyssey. It's, it's very similar musical energy that we got in Jump Up Superstar. So it makes sense that it was composed by the same person. Let's take a listen to New Donk City, a modern classic. This is from Mario Odyssey. guys listening to new donk city daytime from super mario odyssey composed by neoto kubo and hats off no pun intended to everyone who worked on this soundtrack from the composers to the instrumentalists to the engineers uh if you listen to a piece of music like this it's really exciting i think anyone whether they worked or were a fan of video game music in you know the 8-bit era listening to this it is really evident that we've come so far uh this is a great track because you know, compositionally, as far as the melodies and the excitement, it feels like something that's upholding that old era. Uh, it, it's very crafted and catchy and melodic and, and so fun, but it wouldn't have been possible in any other era. And, right. you know, hearing this, you know, this finished recording, uh, every single instrumentalist is just really nailing uh, their part and the guitarist and the drums and the full brass. And yeah, there's just, this is a track um, that. It's perfect for video game music because you listen to it over and over and over again, 
and it takes a long time to kind of distinguish all the the fun elements that that are happening in this um so yeah it's just it's perfect modern bgm and it's so mario it's so unmistakably <laughs> I mean, from the very yeah. beginning i mean it's just like it just hits you in the face. I mean, I remember the first time I heard that, I'm just like, whoa, what is yeah. this? I mean, this is just, it's really, uh, yeah, it's my favorite the thing from the game. This piece of music is, I think, my favorite thing in the entire game of Super Mario Odyssey. And if it is Naoto Kubo, I mean, it is. gosh, <laughs> I'm such a fan. Yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean, it's hard for me to pick between this and Steam Gardens. I know they're so different. Um, and this is definitely a track that kind of wows you more, where Steam Gardens is a little bit more subtle. But for me, I, I definitely had a reaction when I got to Steam Gardens where I stopped playing and I was just blown away um, by that piece of music. And now hearing that that's Koji Kondo just really makes me smile. Uh, so for me, it's a toss-up between this and Steam Gardens. But yeah, Mario Odyssey was definitely my favorite game I played this year and in a long time, to be honest. And soundtrack was was simply incredible. So I cannot wait to hear uh, what Naoto Kubo does next. All right, let's move on to a track from our Yoko Kano Spotlight episode. And this is the track of the week on that episode. It's from uh, Nobunaga's Ambition, Chronicles of Heaven, which was an arranged album featuring a real orchestral performance from, I think, a PS1 game that she scored. This is called Flowery Wind, composed by the incredible Yoko Kano. Here we go. This, this is an incredible playlist. Uh, I really feel proud of you know all the work we, we were able to do in this past year of the podcast. And every time we do these Greatest Hits episodes, it, for me, it's almost like a nice reminder of one of the things we try to do every single week is play some of the best video game music we can find in whatever topic we're exploring. And I think we did a really good job this past year. Uh, you know, we were lucky. We were very fortunate that we had some amazing releases. You know, things like Mario Odyssey and Cuphead, which don't worry, we're not forgetting Cuphead. It's what we're playing out with actually today. Um, that comes to us from our Cuphead episode in which we actually were able to interview Chris Madigan. Um, so yeah, some wonderful releases, some wonderful discoveries. I had an absolute blast this past year and had a blast today. Oh, man. Yeah, this was such a treat. Um, normally, we actually try to time these episodes for kind of like new year's day um but we you know it was just so fitting that our episode 300 yeah um came out on january 1st uh yeah so a little bit later than usual you're right but yeah 2017 was a good year for video game music and it was a good year for this podcast and so i'm hoping that there is even more great stuff 
in the years to come. Thank you all for sticking with us and uh, for all of our loyal listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, It really means the world to us. Uh, We appreciate all of your feedback and support, um, not just this year, but uh, for the entire run that we've been doing this show. Yeah, we have some really exciting episodes coming up. Uh, Really excited to kind of kick off this 13th season. Thanks so much for everyone supporting us. Our patrons, you guys are awesome. You guys are really responsible for keeping us going through all these years. Thanks to everyone for leaving reviews on iTunes. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Marcado Bros. We're also on Facebook. You can like us there. We have a YouTube channel, uh, which features some cool videos from the Marcado band. Uh, uh, and, and every once in a while, some podcast-related stuff. Our video version of episode 300, for example, is on there. Um, and yeah, so thanks everyone for your support on all those different platforms. Uh, a really cool thing that we've started in the past few months is we have a Discord uh, channel. So if anyone's interested in uh, being able to kind of chat with not the, not just the Mercado Bros, but um, our wonderful family of listeners, that's that's one of my favorite favorite places uh there's just so much knowledge and excitement and um just kindness on that channel so if you are a fan of video game music or music at all you should definitely check out that discord uh channel and if you want invite code feel free to shoot us a tweet or an email every once in a while we 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 shoot out new invite codes for that um but yeah that's a wonderful community so we're going to play you guys out with carnival kerfuffle from cuphead composed by christopher madigan one of the one of the most exciting releases of the year and we will be back next week with a favorites with friends episode all right my name is carl brueggemann and i'm his brother will brueggemann have a great week everyone peace out <laughs>